We're in chapter 43. No problem. We're in chapter 43. <clears throat> Hola, ma'am. Hi. Welcome to the class. Um, and what's going on is that Jacob's reaction, Jacob has had a reaction at the end of chapter 42, and it's completely human. That's where we stopped last week. Um, he did not know what God was going to do, and at the time, he was not trusting God. And uh, if you look at verse 38 of chapter 42, it says, but, but Jacob said, my son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he alone is left. If harm should befall him on the journey you are taking, then you will bring uh, my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow. So Jacob is not wanting his youngest son, Benjamin, to go to, on, on the journey down to uh, Egypt because he is fearing that Benjamin will somehow end up missing, hurt, damaged, killed. He's like, no, I don't want that to happen. So we start chapter 43. His sons are returning to Egypt. And what they find is when all the food ran out, because this famine had been predicted, um, when all the food that they had runs out, they decide to return to Egypt. But Jacob knows one thing that everybody else knows. He's Israel now. He's been renamed Israel. He knows that God is the one that is in control. And in verse 13 and 14, Jacob Israel speaks. He says, take your brother also and arise, return to the man. And that's, the, uh, that's going back to the man that they saw in Egypt. And may God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of man so that he will release to you your other brother and Benjamin. As for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. He said, basically, we're going to go down, this, we're going to go, you guys are going to go down there, and thank you. And if, um, if, 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 if he's going to keep your family, he's going to keep your family, whatever God's going to do, God's going to do. What you see in Jacob is he has moments of great faith, and then he has moments of weakness, one right after each other. He'll have great faith, and then he'll have weakness. But um, when they return, they meet a servant who says to them, verse 23 in, in chapter 43, the servant says to them, he said, be at ease. Do not be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. What had happened is this, guy, this, this servant knew that uh, Jacob must have been, or excuse me, um, Joseph must have been talking about his faith. He must have been saying something about it to this man to know that the true God, the God of Israel, had spoken about it. And this, this gentleman says, uh, God, the God of your father. He says that to, this, to, this, to, to Jacob's sons who come back. And it's, a, it's amazing to me that no matter where you go, if you're a true Christian, your faith is going to leak out. No matter who you're talking to, no matter what you're doing, your faith is going to sometimes creep out. Now, some people, you know, like Pastor Emilio, it comes roaring out like a lion. But, you know, for most of us, it comes eking out sometimes, you know. But, but if, you're, if you're following Christ, if you're a faithful follower, people are going to know who it is that you stand for. Um, and everyone in this story except Joseph, has, they have little faith so far. But when Joseph sees his brothers, he is overwhelmed. Let's look at verses 30, and then I just want to mention 31 down to 34. Verse 30 of chapter 43, it says, Joseph hurried out, for he was deeply stirred over his brother, and he sought a place to weep, and he entered the chamber, and he wept there. And what happens in verse 31 down through, he just, he's just crying over his brother. He weeps, he mourns, the, um, he serves him a meal, and he gives 
Benjamin five times as much as he gives his brothers. Would you have known that something was up with this man at this point in the story if you were Joseph's brothers? Would you have been thinking, there's something not right with this guy. Why is he treating us so nicely? Why is he doing all of these things so uh, why is he doing all of these things to us? Why is he giving us all of these provisions? Why is he doing this? He doesn't know us from anything. Um, being with being united with your family after all of this time, would you have thought that something was up? The, the answer is, I think, well, maybe not. Let's look at chapter 44. Chapter 44, verse, verses 4 and 5, they had just gone out of the city. So they'd come back, they'd had this meal, and now they're going back, and they put all of their stuff back in their sacks, and they find that Joseph has instructed them to put a cup, uh, his diviner's cup, in the sack of Benjamin. And so they'd gone out of the city, and they were not far off, when Joseph said to his house steward, follow up the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? Now, that's, that phrase is going to come up in a little bit. Is it not, is not this one from which my Lord drinks and which he indeed uses for divination? You have done wrong in doing this. So they had taken, um, they had, according to the, to the servant, they had taken this cup. They were in trouble. Things are about to get serious. Now, Joseph had, was wanting to see his brother, so he plans this deception. And his servant, the servant, found what he was looking for, and it was in Benjamin's sack. Now Judah, who has committed gross sin, is going to step forward and kind of stand up and be a man. And that's good for Judah, because Judah's going to have a prophecy spoken over him, and that's going to be important for the, for the blessing to continue on. But in verse 16, Judah says this. So Judah said, what can we say to my Lord? What can we speak? And how can we justify ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's slaves, both we and the one in, in whose possession the cup has been found. He says, look, we did it. We're wrong. We're sorry. Don't hold this against us. Things are going to be okay if we can make it right. And what he does from verse uh, 17 down through verse 33 is he just recounts all the things that have happened. And he just goes over all of this history that's happened. But in verse 34, he says this. He says, for how shall I go up to my father if, I, if the lad is not with me, for fear that I see uh, the evil that would overtake my father? He said, look, you, I, I can't go back to my dad without my brother, because if I go back to my dad without my brother, my dad is going to fall apart. And I, I know that as a father, missing your sons, having one son going, your sons are going back and coming forth and going back and coming forth, it's got to be hard on Jacob, but he's still sending these guys out. Why do you think he's sending them out? Because there's no food in the land. They've got to eat. Do you guys understand that your base instincts to eat is going to drive you to do a lot of weird things that don't seem right to you? But that's what's happening. And this is a, it's an emotional reaction. Um, the brothers struggle with doing the right thing. Look at verse 1 of chapter 45. Then, so after uh, Judah has given this long speech and has said, I can't, I can't go back without my brothers, then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, have everyone go out from me. 
so there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. He reveals himself. Is my father still alive? That's his question immediately. I'm alive. I'm okay. Guys, it's me. Is daddy still alive? I got to know. You got to answer this question for me. But this, but, but this, his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. They didn't trust him. They didn't believe that Joseph had their best intentions. Do you stop sometimes and take a look at where God has brought you from to where God has brought you to? Think about Joseph. He's gone from being in a cistern in a pit, a water hole, a, 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 a big hole in the ground, to being the grand vizier of Egypt. And it was only God that could have brought him there. As I was thinking about this lesson this week, guys, you know, it's nothing at all that we do. You're gonna, I'll prob, I've probably been saying the same thing, but it's just amazing to me. Through the book of Genesis, God does it. He brings these people the patriarchs, the people who we look back and we turn and say, That's, I can hold on to this faith because look what God did in this man's life. He takes them from the, from, my old pastor used to say, from the pit to the pendulum or to the pinnacle. He would say that, and, I, I, and it's true. God is, but it's not always going to happen like that. You're not always going to you know, be down at the bottom and rise up to the top. You might put your trust in Christ and the exact opposite happens. You might go from being vice president of the United States. Like, anybody heard of Chuck Colson? Know Chuck Colson's story? I mean, Chuck Colson's story is an incredible story. He, I mean, they, they got busted for the Watergate thing, and he went from being a guy that was living high up in Washington to going to jail. But he, but he trusted in Jesus. So is it, let's look at verse 3 and see what happens. Verse 3 of chapter 45, or verse, uh, excuse me, verse 4, 4b. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph. He reiterates it again. Now, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves. Because you sold me, for God sent me before you to preserve life. God is the one who does, it, who does it, who does it all. Joseph is the man in this story who we can look at and say, Joseph has faith. It's time to reveal who he is. Joseph is alive, and his brother's attitude is understandable. Would you be, just think about it, if you sell your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your mom, your dad, if you sell them into slavery and you tell your significant other they're dead and then 20 years later they're alive, and not only are they alive, they're in a position over you, are you going to trust them? Are you going to be happy to see them? I'm going to be fearful if I had done that. Wouldn't you be scared? Wouldn't, I mean, I would be scared if I had done that. I would be shaking in my boots. But let's look at verse 5, 5b. God sent me before you to preserve life, and let's look at verse 8. Now, therefore, it is not you who sent me here, but two of my favorite words in the Bible, but God. And he made me a father to Pharaoh, and father's just like an advisor, a counselor, a good trusted man, and a lord of over all his household, and a ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hey, guys, I'm alive. I'm your brother, and it's all good. And not only am I alive and nothing's going to happen to you, I'm the man that's going to preserve your life. It must be good. But I would still be looking at him kind of like this. 
Because I'm thinking he, he's going to do something to us. He's not going to be so forgiving of us. But God is the source of all blessings. Every single blessing that you get, every single good thing that happens in your life, you can thank God for it. You have no, you have no option because is Satan going to bless your life? No. And let's, here's a harder question. Are you going to bless your life? No. You don't have the ability to. God is the one who's going to bless you. God gives you all the blessings. And now, how close? See, now, God has blessed Joseph. How close to Pharaoh do you think that God allowed him to get? How close was he to Pharaoh? Let's look, look at verse 16. What would you say? I was going to say right-hand man. Right-hand man. Let's look at verse 16, chapter 45. Now when the news was heard in Pharaoh's house that Joseph's brothers had come, it pleased Pharaoh's and his servants. And Pharaoh said to his brothers, load up, do all of this, take all of these things back, go. It's all good. Pharaoh has, because of who Joseph is, Pharaoh's heart is softened to these men that, because there was a tradition in Egypt that if you were an outsider or if you were a, a cattleman or anything like that, you were looked down upon. But Pharaoh says, take what you need. Take all you need to take. It's all going to be good. Let's look at verse, or chapter 46. In chapter 46, uh, let's look at verses 5 and 7. Jacob is moving to Egypt now. Then uh, verse 5 says, Then Jacob rose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob and their little ones and their wives and the, and the, in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. Verse uh, 7b, uh, And all his descendants that he brought with him to Egypt. Jacob moves his entire family up, out, and they're moving to Egypt. Everybody that he knows is going to Egypt. Why is everybody that he knows going to Egypt? Because, again, there's a famine in the land. They are hungry. They are starving. And they have got to find a place to find sustenance. So they're going down to Egypt. They're going to get uh, right with, with uh, the people there, so to say. But God still has plans. This is Jacob moving to Egypt and the people who came with him. And they, they told Pharaoh that they were cattlemen, and Pharaoh then granted them some land, and he called them to work. Look at verses 33 and 34. Uh, when Pharaoh calls you, say this, what, and says, what is your occupation? You shall say, your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth, even until now, both we and our fathers, that you may live in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is loathsome to the Egyptians. They were like, hey, you can be with us, but we don't like, you know, you guys that work with the cattle, you guys are going to kind of live over there. Goshen was a great land. Goshen was a very fertile place to go. But that's, that's, that's where he said them. But let's look at verse 6 in chapter 47. What happens in verse 6 in chapter 47? Or excuse me, um, verse 13. Now there was no food in all the land because the famine was very severe. So that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. So the famine is still happening. The people, we're in verse 13 of chapter 40, 47, the people are still struggling. But 
what, what happens is Joseph buys all the land. He buys all the stuff that the people have, and it, it's, it's like kind of like uh, Donald Trump going crazy. But what happens? Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, and every Egyptian sold his field because the famine was severe upon them. Thus the land became Pharaoh's. But did the people cry out? Were the people upset? Did the people say is the next verse? And the people said to Joseph, you have swindled us, Joseph. You have taken us from us. No. Let's look at verse 25. The people said, you have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's slaves. Again, godly wisdom and godly fear cannot be bought. Godly wisdom and godly fear cannot be bought. Sometimes it comes through living uh, in your circumstance and trusting God. Sometimes that's the only way it's going to happen. Joseph is in the middle of this. His family, the people of Egypt, they don't understand that God has a plan. And this plan is moving on. Sometimes when we're in the middle of our lives and we're just going to sit there and go, I don't understand what's going on. But what do we have to do? Trust in God. God has, uh, to say it in the vernacular, God's got your back. If you are God's son, if you are God's child, God has, whatever God has for you is the best for you. It might not seem like that. It might, you might not understand it. Sometimes I don't understand it. But what God has for you, even if that's going to death in the flames of a fire or standing in front of a firing squad, getting blown up in a building, whatever, that is the best thing for you. And that doesn't make sense to us. But that's what God has called us to. Let's look at verse chapter 48. And what happens in chapter 48? You got Israel's getting ready to die. Jacob is getting ready to die. Let's look at verse 1. And it came now, it came about after these things, after this famine, after all of this has happened. Joseph has now he's revealed himself. They've come down to the land. He has bought all the land of all the people, and everything has turned out right. Now it came about after these things that Joseph was told, Behold, your father is sick. Now, as you're reading the book of Genesis, this is what kind of what I, and it's kind of, is Josh here, kind of related to Josh's question last week. It, it seems like stuff, stuff is happening in a specific order, so when it says, and now this happened, it seems like it has to come then because, and I agree with you as I thought about it, stuff is happening because that's the way God's planned it, and it's going to work out the way God planned it. This stuff happens, it says, now this came about after all these things because God set it up this way, that his father was sick. Verse 3, then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan, and God blessed me. This is the continued passing of the blessing of God. It's going to keep moving forward. Let's look at verse 5. Now your two sons who were, who were born in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, they're mine. He's talking to his son. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine as Reuben and Simeon are. Jacob sees Joseph's sons, and when he's going to bless them, this is what he does. He takes his right hand, and he does it like this, and he takes his left hand, and he does it like this. And he blesses the younger son before the older son. Now, 
Has anybody watched TBN? Sorry. Okay. I heard a dude do a whole sermon series thing on the X blessing. And I looked it up on Amazon, and I found a book called The X Blessing. And it's by Clarence McClendon, and I just felt just terrible, okay? Guys, there's going to be a lot. Here's, a, here's a, just a hint. If your preacher is preaching from the Old Testament and he's making up stories that go along with the Old Testament, that's not a guy you really want to listen to. The Old Testament has a context, and you want the guy to preach the context of the Old Testament. But if he's preaching the story about the other, ah. so this guy's preaching this whole thing about the ex-blessing, and I was just like, that's terrible. But all he does is he blesses the younger before the older. That's the point of the whole blessing, okay? And then let's look at verse 14, chapter 48, verse 14. But Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph, and this is what he said. The God before whom my fathers, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. And, my, and may my name live on in them, the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So God is saying, look, we're, or excuse me, uh, Jacob is saying, I want you to, I want you to ble- be blessed. He blesses his son Joseph. He blesses the two boys. And as he's moving on, uh, the blessing of Israel's sons is what's going to come next in chapter 49. Let's look at chapter 49. He's blessed uh, Joseph, and he's blessed Joseph's sons, but he has a blessing for all of his sons, all of his children. But, and what, what you have is, you've got, um, in verses 3 through 4, you've got the blessing of Reuben. In verses 5 and 5 through 7, you've got Simeon and Levi. But I want to look at verses 8 through 12, and I want to focus on verses 10 and 11, or 9 and 10. It says, Judah is a lion's wealth. From, my, from the prey, my son, you have gone up. He couches, or he, he couches, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who dares rouse him up. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. Does anybody have any remembrance of where this language is talked about um, being a lion in the Bible. Who's, who is a lion in the Bible? Christ. Can you remember where that verse is? Revelation 5.5. Revelation 5. Let's turn there. Revelation 5.5. 5. Revelation 5.5 5 says, And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. Christ is the one. Now, what I want to talk about next week is how we're seeing Christ in the life of Joseph. But you have to understand, Christ is all throughout the book of Genesis. He's in types. He's in shadows. He's in prophecies. He is everywhere. Hebrews 7.14 says, It is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which the tribe of Moses said nothing about concerning priesthood. 
Christ is everywhere in the Old Testament. And I think uh, Pastor Emilio and Chris, when you guys were at the Shepherds Conference, and the dude said, I don't think he's there, I think you guys were right by saying, no, he's there. But you have to understand how to find him. You have to understand what you're looking for when you look for Christ in the Old Testament. It's not that he's going to pop up, the angel of the Lord says, hi, I'm Christ, and I'm doing, no, it's not that. But when things happen, when there's sayings, when there's um, uh, wording, when there's prophetic just visions of what's going to come in the future, that they're speaking about Christ. The Bible is a Jesus book. It's all about Christ. But after we have this, 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 these prophecies, in verse 13, he talks about Zebulon, verse 14 and 15, he talks about Issachar. He talks about Dan in verse 16 and 17, or 16 through 18. He talks about Gad. He talks about Asher. He talks about Naphtali. He talks about Joseph. And he talks about Benjamin. He talks about all of his sons. He blesses all of them. He gives them some good blessings. He gives some bad blessings. But then the thing happens that happens to everybody in the book of Genesis. What happens to everybody in the book of Genesis? And he dies. Let's look at verse 33 of chapter 49. Verse 33, when Jacob finished charging his sons, he drew his feet into the bed and he breathed his last and he was gathered to his people. He went back to Canaan, uh, to the field that he had bought, um, that Abraham had bought when he was uh, 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 going through and he goes back and he's buried at the family, family burial plot. And what I found funny is that Jake, or Joseph is actually going to be buried at the same place but what I find funny is that Jacob's first wife is there, Leah, but his second wife isn't there. And I, I just was wondering, wow, I wonder why that is. And again, I think Jacob had to come to realize that Leah was important. Do I have the right person? I think so. Leah was important to him because she was the first wife. But uh, Rachel, was imp who he loved, I think was kind of, I, I, said, I think I said it before, he, she was kind of an idol in his life. And he had to, God had to kind of separate her and move her out. But that was just a sub side note, sorry. That was just me getting the sidetracked. So the blessing of Israel's sons. Does anybody have any questions? Okay. Uh, let's look at verse 1 and 2. How does Joseph react to his father dying like a son that actually loves his father? Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him, and he kissed him. Joseph commanded his servants... Uh, uh, the physicians to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Now 40, re 40 days were required for it, for such is the period required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him for 70 days. He's got, he is such a stand-up man, Joseph is, in the land of Egypt that when his father passes, the Egyptians mourn for his father. Joseph is a man that I would really like to be like. Joseph is a man that as he's standing there, he's weeping, he's falling out, and the Egyptians are falling out with him. That's a man that I would like to be, that's, that's a man I would like to be like. Can you imagine crying, falling out, having something terrible happen in your life, but your neighbors start to, they, your neighbors come over. I, I know Pastor Emilio and Sister Trish, uh, they had a problem with their neighbor at their old house, and they were going over, and they were trying to help their neighbor out. And... But that's, I want it to kind of be in reverse. I want to be such a stand-up man in my neighborhood, in my community, that heaven forbid I pass away, people come to my wife and say, it's going to be okay. The Egyptians are crying. Let's look at verse 9. 
there also went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. So as he's going back to the land to bury, bury his dad, all of these people are coming with him. But sin is still seeking to crop up in his brothers. Let's look at verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? They're, they're petrified. Daddy's gone. He can't protect us anymore. Joseph is going to take revenge on us. What are we going to do? And I think that's a perfectly understandable sentiment that these guys have. I would be petrified. But Joseph responds, verses 19 through 20. And again, I said last week, I believe verses 19 and 20 are kind of like the, the theme. I think the whole, no, nah, I won't say the whole book. I think one of the themes that the book is pointing to is to get us to these, these, these verses right here, verses 19 and 20. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? He's saying, look, I'm not God. I can't judge you. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid, for I will provide you uh, for you and your little ones. So he comforted them, and he spoke kindly to him. Now, in Joseph's life, we can understand why he would say that. But do you guys understand why I think this is the controlling, one of the controlling verses for the whole book? Does everybody understand? It used to be the fact that God did it, even then, was in part of God's doing and doing Everything that happened, I mean, from creation to the fall to the flood to Abraham being called out of Erdes, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, I mean, on down, God, and when I say God did it, what I mean is God is sovereign. He is in control of everything, everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. It does not make sense to, I don't understand the people who have a God that they, that they say is not sovereign. I don't understand that. I don't understand people who will worship a God that they say is not in control. I don't understand uh, the, the theological term is Molinism, the middle knowledge issue. I don't get that. But God is in control all of every single thing. This uh, it comes uh, at the end and it wraps up all that happens. This this verse wraps up all that happens in the book of Genesis, and it sets us up for what happens in the book of Exodus. God is the one who does everything. Does anybody have anything in their life where they can look back and say, "You meant it for evil." I think I asked this last week. I don't want somebody other than Pastor Emilio to answer. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I heard one, I was reading one commentary, and he said um, uh, that God used this situation to bring about a good result. I disagree with that wording. I don't think that God used this situation. I think God orchestrated this situation and brought good in the face of evil out of it. Can you think of anything that's happened in your life where God has brought good out of the face of evil? Well, I, since you forbid me from giving some kind of <laughs> I can't forbid you. <laughs> Maybe I can just talk about a verse here for a second. But, but you know, the Westminster Confession says God has ordained all things, whatever comes to pass. Whatever comes to pass, yeah. I agree with that. And uh, I'm just comforted by the fact that, you know, uh, 
um, in Scripture it says that God, you know, uh, works everything out for our good. You know, and so ultimately, just like the story here, you know, Joseph, they meant it for evil, and then it doesn't go on to say, like you, like you pointed out, and God used it for good. That's not what it says. Right. It says they meant it for evil, and God meant it too. Right. So God meant for Joseph to be betrayed, thrown in the pit, sold into slavery, end up in a dungeon, right? Be slandered, <clears throat> famine. You know, God meant all of that to transpire for good. And it doesn't make sense to us. And for us, it'd be difficult for us to say, well, wow, that's hard, you know, to see like God meant for Joseph to be thrown in a pit, sold into slavery. Okay, but the comforting thing is that God doesn't stop there. Right. I mean, you've got the Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace. You've got Daniel thrown in the lion's den. You've got, right. I mean, you've got how many stories in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, do we see God, I mean, they're put in impossible situations. And we go, why? Look, look at Job. I mean, look at what happened to Job. He couldn't figure out what in the world was going on. But God had a purpose for all of this. And it's, it's absolutely amazing how God's hands know what's going to happen. It's kind of like if you rub your hand across a sheet, when your hand reaches a bump, it smooths the sheet out. Well, God knows that the bump is there, and he knows that all the bumps are there. And he doesn't have to run his hand over the sheet. He just tells the sheet to lay down flat. God is sovereign. God knows everything that's going to happen. He tells everything that's going to happen to happen. Okay. It is this passage that also brought me, uh, verse 19 and 20 and 21, that also kind of brought me to the doctrines of grace. Uh, why? Because, again, God is the sovereign one. What are we going to do with a sovereign God? But as the, the book ends, in the last little section of the book, this little postscript with the death of Joseph, and it says uh, in verse 24 through um, 26, I'm about to die, this is what Joseph said, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from the land to the land which he promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. Now, that's the first time we see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob mentioned all together because Jacob has died. He's going to be gathered with his people. Now we have the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Joseph uh, made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed, and he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Now this book starts off with the almighty, all-powerful, all-sovereign, all-in-control God who creates the universe, and it ends with one man dying in a coffin in Egypt. But you know what? That same God is still there. But what has happened is God has gone from the forefront, from acting and walking and being with men, and just to not being so forefront, he's still involved in the life of Joseph. Yes, sir. Uh, textually, too, I mean, this, I don't know if we're going to go there or not, but when Joseph's doing this. Doing what? When he's, when he's saying that, hey, this is the promise, this is the, the covenant, you know, swear to me. Right. Um, you have to remember, this is second generation exodus 
uh, Israelites. Right. When Moses is telling the story? Well, yeah, because they're looking back. Right. And they're seeing this, and Moses is saying, this is what Joseph said. Right. And here they are carrying Joseph's bones, bones. out. And they're seeing, wow, God did bring it to pass. Right. God did bring the promises. So we are. We are the chosen people. We're, we're chosen. Yeah. We're the, we're the people of God. God's working amongst us. It, uh, you got to understand, I, again, as you're reading Genesis in these different ways, and I think, I think Josh right now is focusing on reading it from the perspective of, you know, you're an Israelite getting ready to cross over to the land. What are you looking at? You know, as, I'm re- as I read it, looking at the Christians, looking back, it's, it's a great point. God is, gonna, God is saying to the people, what's the, if you're this generation instead of this generation, what's the point to the people that were going over into Canaan? God is with you. God is going to be with you. Look at, look at all these men's lives. Look how God was in their lives. Look what God did in their lives. Look what God brought them through. Look at what transpired. God was with them. But as you, as you stand over here as a Christian looking at it, you got not only Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, Deuteronomy, but you've got Joshua, Samuel, Kings, the prophets. You've got the life of Jesus. God is going to be with us. I mean, I've... I, I, I hate to keep repeating myself, but I, what happens is, as I'm reading this book, my mouth is kind of dropping open. Again, because what happens to uh, what happens in seminary is you get so used to reading stuff really quickly that you don't pay attention to all the details. And as I'm taking my time reading Genesis slowly, 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 God is popping up everywhere, and my mind is kind of going. It's a great book. You know, I don't. If I, I don't need. I don't see how people preach this book because it would take me a lifetime to preach this book. But it's just what happens. Are there any questions? Well, I just see uh, verse twenty-five, you know, where he says, "You shall carry my bones up from here." Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's like a promise. Like you're saying, you know, that's the crucial thing is God is going to be with the people, as and 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 the emblem of this mm-hmm. is that they will carry. Joseph's bones out of Egypt right. and into the promised land. And so this is a, pro- a promise pledged by God that has yet to be made good on. Right. And uh, for that, you know, obviously, like you said, you know, here's the children of Israel after these, after the Exodus. And there they are. Moses gives them a law. They're one, wandering in a desert for 40 years. You know, they need the promises of God to get them to the land. Right. And, it, and, and, and they, they can look back to, hey, we carried Joseph's bones out of Egypt. Exactly as God said. As, good, right. as God said. You know what I mean? And uh, memorial. It's, I guess God is always in the business of, you know, causing us to profit us, you know, trust in his promises. Or, or he's either causing us to trust in them or we are choosing not to trust in them. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, this, this book is called A More Sure Word of Prophecy. We've got... We've got what God ha- wants us to have, it's, it's, it's in here. I mean, it, it controls conduct. It controls life. It controls what we think, how we think, why we think what we think. And I like to say, God does it. Yes, Carlos? Well, I have just a little quick testimony. You talked a little bit on, on the Old Testament. When I get older than I am now, <laughs> and look back, I want to be almost like we're looking at the, the, the Old Testament. We're looking back in their, in their lives. Did they trust in the Lord? Did they let God do the things? Did, did, and you can see how God orchestrated, even though some of them were stubborn and didn't listen, 
God worked it out where you know, He did it. Right. And I would like to look back in my life the same way. Did I let God? Did I trust in Him? Or did I, or was I just trying to be the good person right. and do the right things? Or did I let God work that in me as well? And uh, if no one in here has ever read through the Old Testament, I encourage you to do it. It's, it it opens your eyes to a lot of things, especially on Christ. Awesome Amen. Um, you, Jason. Yeah, I was just going to say in reference to not only uh, Genesis, but the entire Old Testament, I was going to ask you what guideline you might suggest, seeing how you said you ought to, we ought to be looking for Christ within the Old Testament. Would you, I guess, provi- provide like a guideline for that so that the person doesn't make sure that they, they will hear this every single word? Is directly about right. Christ. Is it a word? Is it page? Is it paragraph, chapter? What I would say is, what I would say is, come next week. Okay. <laughs> come next week. That, we're, 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 I'm going to deal specifically with Joseph, but hopefully I'll be able to. I want to point to Christ in, in all of Genesis, and hopefully give you some pointers with the help of a of a pastor that's going to rename nameless. Um, help you guys point to Christ in all of the Old Testament. Because I think it's important um, as, as Christians to understand where our faith comes from, where our faith in Christ comes from. Um, Josh, and then you, Pastor. Um, I think you could start with just citations in the New Testament right. and how the apostles used the Septuagint and how Jesus used the Old Testament about himself. I mean, that's a good guideline. Yeah, I, I would say that's a really good there guideline. references from the Lord and the apostles, and you can't go wrong. Right, so. right. Yes, Pastor. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. Ah, two minds. Ah. Can, can somebody next week or the week after point out the differences in the the tribes? Now, what do you mean point out the differences in tribes? We were just talking about when he was blessing, then mm-hmm. the next blessing, but and then and then the, the son was trying to correct him. Mm-hmm. But but anyway, the uh, those are listed in like a genealogy, mm-hmm. but then not in another one right. of the tribes. And, and I, I can't remember how. It, they play out, but I know that when you're witnessing to somebody, they're like, they know about that. Well, look, it contradicts itself. Um, what, I'll, what I'll try to do is bring a, a, a something for you. Uh, actually, it's in um, Hard Sayings of the Bible by Walter Kaiser. Uh, talks about why, the, why is the list given this way in one book and given as another way in another book, and I think it's given a third time in another book, but there's a reason, and it can all be reconciled, and it all right. makes sense. So hopefully I can, I, can, I can bring that for you, and you can look, it up, look at it. Does anybody else have any questions? I know, I know we kind of literally just flew over that stuff today, but I wanted to do this, uh, talk about Christ next week, and I wanted to finish the book. I didn't want to take Genesis into another eight weeks, but um, I wanted to finish the book. Um, so if there are no questions, we're going to pray. We're going to continue our worship through our worship service. If there are no, no further questions, no nothing? Okay, let's, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this time. Lord, I just ask you would bless the people. Lord, I know I had to fly over just great information in the book of Genesis. We're just asking that uh, we would all take to heart the lessons, the messages, and the, 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 the Christology that we see in the book of Genesis. Lord, we're just asking that you would uh, bless our hearts today as we continue our worship through uh, through the preaching of the word, through the singing of the songs, through our fellowship. And Lord, we're just asking that uh, you would be with us as we go throughout our week. Uh, Lord, just uh, make us who you want us to be. Chisel off the parts that don't look like Christ and polish us up and shine us into a, a nice polished image of Jesus Christ. Lord, we look forward to that day when we will be able to say, uh, say to you, you are my Lord and my God in your face. 
as we're bowing down. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.